Well, this afternoon we'll be continuing in our walk through the book of Hebrews. Uh, we are in uh, part 13 of holding on to the greater than from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through, cha- through the end of chapter 11. Uh, we've been talking about the various different folks of the cloud of witnesses or the hall of faith, different ways uh, we can speak about it and how they testify of God's faithfulness and to keep promise and how we should rest upon with the, to rest upon him and to receive from him. But let's once again hear from Hebrews chapter 11 before we get into the message, <clears throat> the entire chapter, once again, just for context. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen and what was not made out of things are that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gift through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he draw and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. But by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place as an to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland if they'd been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over, in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful. 
They were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater of greater wealth. He considered the reproach of Christ greater than the treasures of Egypt, greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he ensured as endured as seeing him who is in, invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms and forced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us. Apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank you for this, your holy word, that you've not left us without you revealing yourself for us to guess who you are to guess what you have for us, but you've given us these, your words, your voice to us. And we pray that you would help us to receive them as such. Would you, by the work of your spirit, through the instrument of your word, increase and strengthen our faith and do the work in each of us that you have purposed to do. We pray, O Father, that from your word, you would speak to us today. We ask that you rest upon this preacher, chain him to the text of your word, so that he might freely declare truth and do so clearly and accurately with understanding. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we walk through the book of Hebrews, we have seen that Jesus is the greater than. He's, he's the greatest revelation. He's greater than the angels. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than the priesthood. He's the greatest sacrifice. And now we've been talking about the need of holding on to this one who is the greater than. Back, going back to chapter 10, verse 40, saying we have need of endurance. And by that, what he means is we have need of faith. Not simply faith in nothing, such as you might see during this time of year and in, as, as sporting people do their sports and the fans say, believe, say, believe in what? But rather faith with an object uh, in one who keeps promises and makes promises and keeps those promises. 
And by that faith, we have endurance. We've seen Abel, who whose sacrifice was received because he was accepted. He was accepted by faith. Because of faith, his sacrifice was accepted. We've seen Abraham and Sarah. And we've seen, as was repeated at the end of the chapter, that all of these died in faith is as far as this age and this life is concerned, not seeing the things that were promised. Meaning that it wasn't speaking primarily, it wasn't speaking ultimately about this piece of land in the Fertile Crescent. It was not speaking about what we call Israel in terms of the nation, but it was, that was a type of something greater to come. But now we are on, the, on this side of Christ and we have seen the fulfillment of promise that he has come and he has been the one to whom all these were testifying. Moses was hidden for three months. Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He forsook Egypt by faith. He kept Passover, that Passover by which that blood that was placed on the doorpost cried out and said, not this house to that angel that came by and and killed the firstborn of Egypt. That pled for us and for them, testifying of Christ to come. Last time we looked at uh, <clears throat> them crossing into Canaan, crossing from the Red Sea to the destruction uh, from the cross of the Red Sea to the drowning of the Egyptians to the destruction of the wall around Jericho, as well as Rahab. Now this week we're turning to a final summary, so to speak in which he's dealt with all these figures who are foundational figures in the history of the Hebrew Scriptures, in the history of Israel, who is to bring in Messiah. And we've looked at these, these figures and how God's faithfulness is testified uh, through their faith. Remember, it's not a perfect faith. It's a highly imperfect faith. Each one of them had significant flaws. But faith is not, God does not uh, work, work in accordance with faith because faith is of a certain quality, but because it rests upon and receives from Christ. Remember that. And now we're turning to the summary statement of saying there is all, basically he's saying there's all sorts of people that we could talk about and he names a few of them. And then he goes and gives a summary of the various different things that we can see that were accomplished through faith, whether things that were moments of what we would call victory or moments from conventional wisdom we would view as utter defeat. But in reality, those were moments that demonstrate every reason to rest upon and receive from Christ. When he says, what more shall I say? He's basically saying, we have, we have talked about this over and over with di- these different figures. While I could go forward and continue and continue and go through, he said, I think we've seen the point. But let's get a summary. And we see several named. There's Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel. Um, this is a list of various characters throughout Israel's rather colorful history. And it's a very colorful history. All of them, except David and Samuel, are primarily found in the Judges. David and Samuel are found in Samuel, as well as uh, uh, David's and uh, the, the Kings and Chronicles. 
Gideon, we can see his story in Judges chapter 6. Gideon was a son of Manasseh, and he'd been called by the angel of the Lord to destroy the idols, the idols to to Baal and Asherah, false gods of the Canaanite religion that uh, Israel, in various different ways, was worshiping, either worshiping the gods themselves or worshiping Yahweh according to the customs of the Canaanites at those places. In his account, we have the a famous event of what is known as fleecing, in which God, in which Gideon said, "Okay, I'll do this, but I need to know for sure, for sure. I need to know for absolutely, positively certain that this is God speaking to me." So he said he's going to lay out a fleece, and if he awoke and the and it was do and it had dew on it, and the next morning uh, the ground around it was die was dry. Well, okay, so it's good, but that wasn't enough. Had to happen again, except the opposite way around. So it happened. So he went and destroyed destroyed them. Also, uh, Gideon gathered an army, brought actually tens of thousands of people, but then did a test to see who's going to be part of this army based on how they drank from the water. And 300 to take upon thousands of Midian and Amalek. And of course, Midian and, and Midian and the Amalekites were driven out. Barak is found in Judges chapter 4 and 5. He was a military commander uh, serving Deborah, one of the judges of Israel, who had great conquests, but he also refused to go into battle without Deborah. He said, I'll do this, but you need to be with me. And so she did, but Deborah said, because you won't, you won't uh, go the way you should, the glory is going to go to a woman because of that. And that woman most likely was... Uh, uh, a woman named Jael, or Yael in Hebrew. And the enemy, Sisera, went to her tent after battle and was worn out and sought a place of refuge. And she fed him and he went to sleep under a cover. And while he was asleep, it says that uh, she took a tent stake and hammered it into his head. And so she got the glory. Samson, one of the more colorful figures of the book of Judges, we most of us probably know his story, but he was a mighty warrior um, judge in the nation of Israel who had success as long as his hair was not cut. That was part of a covenant that had been made. And he did many things. He was not exactly a character that we would call someone who is full of integrity and someone who should, whose moral example should be followed. But yet he Sir, he conquered many things. And of course, he was tempted by Delilah and he spoke of what and she learned what uh, what his weakness was. And she cut his hair. He was imprisoned, but he did redeem. He did find redemption. His hair started growing back. He got strong. And when when the Philistines were gathered at a festival, he stood between between two pillars and with his renewed strength, uh, broke them down and everything came crashing down, killing all those Philistines as well as himself. And then there was Jephthah. Jephthah was a judge who ruled for six years. We can see that account in Judges 11 and 12. Israel had done what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They repented and God came to deliver them. It said God became impatient with their, with their plight. That's the way the language says. And so he sought to, re, to rescue them. Jephthah himself was born illegitimately and he was driven out by his half-siblings east of Gilead. But he defeated Ammon, the Ammonites, 
But in so doing, he also made a rash vow. He vowed that when he would get home, he would offer as a burnt offering what whatever came first out of his doors. And so when he got there, out came his daughter celebrating his victory. And so he kept his vow. Much and she was his only child. And so he deeply regretted his rash vow. And we know the story of David who was called upon by uh, God through Samuel to replace Saul as king. And through the line of David would come Messiah, the greater David, our Lord Jesus Christ. David uh, was, as a shepherd, he stopped lions, as did Samson. He actually shut the mouths of lions. He also, his most famous story is probably the one of David and Goliath, in which he, uh, the champion of the Philistines, was a giant named Goliath. And David, in his, uh, what we call his small self, and just his little slingshot, took on Goliath and took, and took him down. And we've talked about this before. We often like to view ourselves as David in that story, and us being the champions against the Goliaths of our lives, only to take on those Goliaths, and then suddenly we lose an arm, spiritually speaking. When in reality, we have more in common with faithless Israel. And David is testifying of Jesus Christ and we need, as we need a champion on our behalf, our Lord Jesus Christ, who defeats our Goliaths. And then Samuel was uh, a prophet in the end ending era of the judges and which and through whom and through uh, God, through him, God allowed for a king to be risen through Saul. And Samuel did many things as a prophet. And then, of course, there was the prophets. And we can list them. There's Elijah, there's Elisha, and then there's the, the prophets in the books. We, can, we could go on and on about the various different things that they said and did. But since we're, since we're following the text here, we need to let the text uh, drive this. And the text goes in summary format, so we have to go in summary format. Called text-driven preaching. But we see next a list of accomplishments, a list of feats, and a list of endurances by faith. We could spend a lot of time trying to parse out and figure out which to, to which person these various different um, feats or accomplishments or endurances um, to which they refer. And while we could do that, uh, we would actually be probably doing a lot of repetition and a lot of different, um, we could spend all sorts of ink arguing about those things um, in in a gentle way, of course. However, many of these could apply to multiple ones or even all of them. And this is a summary. And so we should treat it as such. So whether or not um, Gideon did some of these things or whether or not Barak did some of these or Samson or Jephthah, that's beside the point. The point is saying that by faith, these things occurred. By faith. Not because faith did something, but because, by fa- because through faith, they saw that which cannot be seen with the eye, that which is hoped for, 
Christ being present to their faith, the promises being present to their faith. And so they believed God and God acted, whether it would be in the form of something that was what we would by conventional wisdom call a victory or by conventional wisdom call a defeat, whether enduring something very difficult and painful. These are broken up into roughly uh, into two different groups. There's the feats and accomplishments, and then there is the endurances involving suffering and pain. We see that starting in verse uh, 33 and further. And they are furthermore, at least the feats and accomplishments are broken up nicely into into several groups of three. Several groups of three, we might say triplets in the first group. In verse, the first three parts of verse 33, we have some attainments that were obtained by faith. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, and embraced and uh, obtained promises. Now here's, an, here's a place where uh, the verse numbers fail us. Remember, the verse numbers are not part of the text. The verse numbers were added to help us find things. But the verse numbers sometimes get in the way of good organizational structure of how things fit together. And this is one of those spots. But first of all, we see that by faith, they conquered kingdoms. Consider Gideon, for instance, the 300 against thousands. Or consider David in his having conquered kingdoms and his uh, as his general under Saul and as the king or even Barak, all of them conquered kingdoms and again they did it from a place of weakness that by all but by all conventional wisdom it looked weak remember a theology of glory which is something we should not pursue says that we discern god's blessing according to the things that we can see we discern god's favor according to the things we can touch and see Rather, we need to understand that we discern God according to what we don't see, according to his revelation, according to Christ who died for us upon the cross. That's the theology of the cross. But broken up into uh, we have the conquered kingdoms and then we see that they established justice. The judges, for instance, enforced and established the life of Israel to be done in accordance with God's law, according to the covenant God made with Moses on behalf of the people of Israel, which was ultimately uh, found its uh, end. But he established they established justice or King David or Samuel. Remember Samuel when he had appointed Saul as king and Saul failed as king. And Samuel did what was right for Saul uh, rebelled against the Lord. I mean, Samuel did what was right for Saul rebelled against the Lord and he anointed David as king. Or establishing justice in the form of Samson uh, crushing down those who had imprisoned, imprisoned him and were doing awful things. And furthermore, they received promises. God had said things. This shall happen. And they received it. And they received it through faith. Even if, it, even if that promise, as we saw earlier in Hebrews chapter 11, was not something discernible to their eyes in their lifetime. By faith, they obtained 
the promise. By faith, Abraham uh, entered into and received the land for which he was looking for. But it wasn't ultimately the piece of land that is on the coast of the Mediterranean, but rather it is a heavenly city. That is the land for which he was looking. And by faith, he obtained the promise. And by faith, these obtained the promise, even in spite of their failings. It is not the quality of our faith by which one has connection to God, but rather by it looking to him in Christ Jesus. And again, we've said before, faith always bears fruit, but that fruit is not the cause of anything. They received promises. And oh, the great knowledge of that truth, that by faith we receive promises. By faith we see that God, the promise giver, keeps his promises. And so thus, they rested in him. And even more so, so should we. We see God's faithfulness in these people. When we read the accounts of the Old Testament narratives, which are historical events, we often approach them first and foremost, what kind of lessons for my conduct can I learn from these? And that's, and that's a way, that is, I don't want to discount that and say we should never do that. However, what these accounts testify more than anything is God's faithfulness to his promise and testify of the coming of Christ. For in each of these, in each of these events of which he's speaking, he's testifying of Christ. For Jesus says, the law and the prophets, the writings, they testify of him. And then in the second group of three, we see acts that were done on behalf of God's people, just as in the first wins, just as our Lord did. He acted on behalf of God's people in conquering kingdoms, establishing justice and receiving promises. Our Lord Christ did. In the second group, we now have deliverances such as stopping the mouths of lions or quenching raging fire or escaping the edge of the sword. So consider stopping the mouths of lions. When we think of that, uh, the first thing that comes to my mind when I read this was someone who's actually not mentioned by name in this section, and that's Daniel. Think of Daniel, who uh, Belshazzar, uh, through the deviousness of uh, very, uh, not Belshazzar, but the uh, <clears throat> king, uh, through various different uh, deviousness of his servants, threw uh, threw him into the den of lions overnight and was rejoiced to see that Daniel had survived. And then also think of Samson, who in Judges 14, 6, he shut the mouths of lion, the mouth of a lion. And David in 1 Samuel 17, 34, in giving in, a, in a accounts that were given of his shepherding, of how he defeated lions and protecting his sheep. Again, by faith. This occurred not because they had something special, but because they trusted in the one who has all the things because they trusted in the one who makes promises and keeps promises. Or consider in the next one, he says they quenched raging fire. I think of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. 
A good way to help kids remember them as Shadrach, Meshach, and to bed we go. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, again, through deviousness, uh, they ended up being thrown into a fiery furnace. And what was seen shocked everyone. For there they were alive with no problems with a fourth one there, who I can think of no other than that being Christ, who is shielding them from the fire. Because why? They rested upon and received from him. He saved them from the fires. Or they escaped the edge of the sword. Think of the many violent encounters that Israel had in her history. And even some of these figures in which all seemed lost. I mean, consider Gideon. 300 up against thousands. Those are not good odds, according to conventional wisdom. But the Lord not only delivered them, but the Lord conquered the enemies. Consider David and his escapes. But also look beyond these figures and these peoples and let us remember. Our Lord Jesus Christ, again, fulfilled all to what is pointed in these. These are all destructive, deadly things. And he endured them and defeated them in his life, in his death, in his resurrection. And that's actually explicitly stated in chapter 12. I'm not pulling this out of nowhere. It's explicitly stated in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, in light of this cloud of witnesses, let, let us look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That this is testifying of Christ Jesus. And his endurance on our behalf. Of his obeying on our behalf. Of his dying on our behalf. For he shut the mouths of the lion. The lion of our sin seeking to destroy us. And the enemy. For he has shielded us from the fiery. uh, From the fire that awaits. For he has brought us to escape the edge of the sword of death by giving us eternal life through that which he has done. And he himself conquered death. And then we see in the third group, you see they were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, and put foreign armies to flight. Again, think of strength out of weakness. Gideon, Samson, Hezekiah, even the Apostle Paul, who's not in the Old Testament. Does not Paul say, my grace is sufficient? Was not Paul told, my grace is sufficient for you, for strength is perfected in weakness. But think of Gideon again, 300 against thousands. Or Samson in his weakest state, having actually in a being in a weakest state on account of things that he did to himself. But by faith. God brought strength out of weakness. Or consider Hezekiah, Hezekiah, the story of King Hezekiah, who's in the line of David. It's one of my favorite stories of the Old Testament. Hezekiah had brought, had under his rule, he had brought about uh, a return to God's law in the life of Israel with everything except Passover. And there was a bit of a spiritual revival 
going on in Jerusalem. And he also refused to pay homage to Assyria. And Assyria came before them and laid siege to Jerusalem. And Hezekiah went before the Lord and presented to him the threats. And the Lord that day uh, brought the Assyrian army to his knees. And shortly thereafter, Sennacherib died. Or they became mighty in war. Consider, again, strength out of weakness, specifically here in the area of battle. Little David, the shepherd boy, slaughtered his ten thousands. In fact, there wasn't even a song made to that end. Or they put foreign armies to flight. Remember Rahab last time, she had heard the accounts of what God had done and she believed the story was being told. I mentioned last time that in ancient, ancient literature from Canaan, there's several accounts of, an, of a small, small nomadic band of people who are creating chaos in Canaan called the Ivri, most likely a way of saying Hebrew. Or of David in his conquests. But again, consider our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ did not come in a blaze of glory. According to what we expect the blaze of glory to look like. Everyone was expecting Messiah when he would come to be a matter of shock and awe. But what happened is he came in weakness. The weakness of a baby born in Bethlehem. The weakness of the death, the weakness of the cross. In that weakness, he died for us. He came, as we've said before, not in the roaring of a lion, but in the bleating of a lamb who died for us. His sheep. And again, Each one of these characters was incredibly flawed, like you and I. But in resting in the God of promise who keeps promises, they lived. Then we see in the next section several accounts of demonstrations of faith in suffering result in suffering and enduring through that suffering. This is actually kind of a climactic part of this section. And I say that because when we read it in the original text, it kind of it starts getting more staccato. Now, st- that's a musical term for staccato when th- when notes are like quick and fast. It's getting faster and faster. It's building up to something. And here we have this. We, he said, we've seen these victories. We've seen these things that are great feats. But now we're looking and we are seeing something that we would look at and say, how does that testify of God's faithfulness? Other than the first one. How does that testify of God's faithfulness? For listen to what it says. The first one, women receive back their dead by resurrection. And then immediately goes, but even that, there's there's suffering in there. For women lost their children, though they were resurrected. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated. 
wandering about in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth, those of whom the world was not worthy. That's a little out of order there. But notice women receive back their dead. We think of Elijah who raised the widow's son in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 17. Or Elisha who raised the, Shun, Shun, uh, the Shunammite son in 2 Kings 4.18. These women experienced pain. Their children died. Not knowing, what, not for sure anything would happen, but they were risen from the dead. This, of course, testifies to an even greater resurrection. For our Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead. But unlike the widow's son and the Shunammite son, who had risen from the dead, which means they're no longer risen, Christ has risen from the dead, meaning he's still alive. Mary received back her, her son according to the flesh. We received him according to our deliverance. But look, we continue. They were tortured. We can look at the history of, and some of this is drawn from, uh, from accounts that we would find in the intertestamental literature. Some have come from the prophets. But the prophets experienced torture. And we look at the history of the church. Christians experienced torture, refusing to accept release when they were imprisoned. That is, say, that is saying, if you just give up, we'll let you go. If you just give it up, we'll let you go. Or if you will change your prophecy to one of the prophets, we'll let you go. But rather they said, I have something greater than any release that you could give me. All in view of resurrection. By faith, they were tortured. By faith, they refused to accept release. By faith, they were mocked and flogged. By faith, they were chained and imprisoned. By faith, they were stoned. Over and over again, those who trusted the Lord did not always find victory or what we would consider victory according to conventional wisdom. But they found it because they had that they saw that which can only be seen by faith. Even considering being sawn in two. That sounds like a horrible death. It's most likely referring to the prophet Isaiah. Historical record uh, uh, testifies to Isaiah being sawn in two. But again, think of that by faith. Earlier it said. By faith, they escaped the sword. But then what does it say here? By faith, they were killed with the sword. Not only by faith did they escape the sword, but by faith, they were killed with the sword. It's not just escaping the sword, but even being killed when turning from faith would bring escape from that sword. All this to say that they were not looking for deliverance according to conventional deliverance that we would call it. They were not looking for something that we typically see. They were looking for something that could not be seen. And it was seen by faith. And so by faith, they endured. So if we have need of endurance, what is it that we have need of? Faith. Faith in Christ. 
Or consider that went about in squalor and animal skins while wandering the deserts and hiding in caves. Israel did that in the wilderness. But there's also David. There's Elijah. Went about in, in hiding in caves. And it says of this, the world is not worthy of these. We often will look at accomplishments, we'll often look at wealth, we'll often look at stature to say that the world isn't worthy of someone. We'll say someone did all these great things, all these wonderful things. The world is not worthy of that person. But what does the text say here? The world is not worthy of these people who lived in squalor because they wouldn't deny their faith, who were stoned, were sawn in two, were killed with the sword, and so forth and so on. We often look to things that we can say to say that the world is not worthy of such a person. One commentator, Donald Guthrie, he says, By comparison, the men of the world, in spite of their possessions and status, are so inferior that the men of faith are not worthy to be compared with them. The one who endures by faith even when everything else says otherwise, is the one of whom the world is not worthy. Whether things turn out to what we would say, oh, good happened, or whether things would turn out to where we say um, evil happened, evil in terms of destruction or pain. By faith, endure it. Consider this. The poor man who holds on to Jesus even when everything seems to be against him, even when all his efforts seem vain, has far more than the billionaires that we so often fawn after, who may be, who might often mock the gospel, or I would say even worse, use the gospel to keep their grift up. Why would we say that people experiencing these things found the joy of faith? Did they not suffer and experience pain? Are not those of whom it should be said they're clearly doing something wrong? That's the way the theology of glory looks at it. We look at someone experiencing pain and suffering and difficulty, and we immediately go like the disciples and say, who sinned that that man was born blind? Or at see some sort of pain somebody's going through and say, they clearly did something wrong. Or consider it, this happened the first time I ever heard this. I was playing golf, which I don't play because I'm terrible at it. I was playing golf one time, and I, I had a wonderful approach shot, got up to the green, and I thought, oh, I got a nice chip shot, and I shanked it, but it hit a rock, hit a tree, and landed two feet away from the, uh, from the hole. And someone said to me, you're living right. The fact that happened means nothing in terms of whether I'm living right. Fame, achievements, number of followers are not the sign of one's faith in God. Nor is lack of these things. Faith is resting upon Christ when it's easy and when it's not easy. That is faith, my brothers and sisters in Christ. And so they believed God is good even when the circumstances dictated otherwise.
It is true. God is good all the time and all the time God is good. Even when it's difficult to say that God is good. Even when, in, even when we look at something and say, I can't, I have a hard time accepting that you're good, whether it's something personal or something beyond personal. We must believe that he is good. We see here then that the Christian life is not one that fundamentally revolves around creating a life safe for a nice exurban middle class existence. It's one that revolves around enduring by faith. It's one that revolves around enduring by faith. Whether endurance comes easy or endurance is something that we would look at and say, why don't they just give up? According to conventional wisdom. So, brothers and sisters, we have need of endurance. And so what is it that we need if we are to endure? We need faith. But not just simply the faith akin to some songs would just say, you got to have faith. But rather, or as the sports fan would just say, believe. Sit there closing, believe. It's like, in what? Faith in Christ. So, brothers and sisters, in closing, there are things that face us as Christians. But there is always one thing that is true, one thing that is certain, and that is Jesus, who of whom is testified in every single one of these things that we see accounted for in Hebrews chapter 11. There's always Jesus, we run around chasing after all sorts of things. When in reality, right there, always is Jesus. Martin Luther in his day in the 1500s brought a breath of fresh air to folks who were told, if you're really to see, if you're to really be spiritual, if you're really to be right with God, you got to run around and go to all these various different sites and pay your homage to relics and pay to pay homage to those relics and had to do all these various different things and all the right things. And he said, we obsess over this when all the while right here, there's Jesus. And he says, believe upon him. And so, brothers and sisters, by faith, we endure. By faith, we put one foot in front of the other. Unsteady foot in front of the other quite often. Even though our faith, we may look and say, my faith is not very strong. But does it rest upon and receive from Christ? Well, then keep believing. For in that, we can endure and do endure. Even if we have setbacks like these folks. So brothers and sisters, by faith, let us remember the victory has come. Christ defeated the lions. Even though by all apparent um, conventional wisdom, it appears the lions might be eating us. Let us pray. Father, praise be unto you. 
for you are faithful and you sent your son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who fulfilled all that has been promised. And we pray, Father, that we would have our eyes set upon him, the greater than, and hold on to him by faith. And we pray these things, our Father, in and through Jesus. Amen.